Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, a show where we explore the world of sport and deconstruct the tools and ethos of world-class athletes to create growth and optimize business. I'm Noel Olnert, the CEO of Securo, and today I speak to former AFL player Corey McKernan. McKernan has a unique approach to his post-AFL career. He spends most of his time helping others to adjust from pro sportsman to regular life. This is truly a great episode of the Building Resilience Podcast. Building Resilience Podcast. Corey McKernan, welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast. How are you doing? Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be with you wherever anyone's listening. I hope they're nice and warm. Yeah, I hope they are as well. Um, Today, I really want to just get to understand more about yourself and, and what defined you in your career um, throughout uh, throughout AFL to become an AFL great um, and some of the, the systems, processes, mindsets that you had that's taken you from, from grassroots AFL into, into running successful businesses. Um, typically, I like to start at the start. Could you help me understand more um, about uh, a young Corey um, starting his career and, and, and going from uh, West Meadows into North Melbourne? Oh, look, I, I think the the quick story without being a, a super long story, um, my, my journey to playing uh, Australian rules football was probably vastly different to a, a lot of other people. I was, I was really keen on, um, I started playing football from a very young age, uh, went through to about 12 or 13, but then decided um, I wanted to play golf. So I really played golf from when I was, 13 right through until I was about 17 and it was only because I as we all do we, when you're playing uh, school football the upside of playing school football is you got out of school so that sounded very attractive um, and because I was playing uh, school football well, North Melbourne the team I ended up playing for they ran the, the school competition so it was only that North Melbourne had been at like well, at me, they had the under-19s back then. They, they'd they been at me, at me about coming down. But I had dreams of uh, maybe going to Augusta National rather than being on the MCG. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was only through there. I would put um, con- constant persistence, some would say nagging, um, that I ended up going down to North Melbourne in the under-19s. And I, I kicked 11 goals in my first game. So that really uh, set off the journey that, um, it was a, the best decision that was probably never made for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, once you start making kicking goals at the, that amount straight, and you're going to get the going to get the attention. Um, so you wanted to kind of get into golf. Sport was always part of your life. Once you've started to get into the into the AFL uh, scene and start to, to play a lot more, um, how did you differentiate yourself from the other uh, talent around you? Well, yeah, I, I think the, the mentality that I had and coming into North Melbourne for people that don't know at that time, they already had um, me being a, a tall player. I'm six foot five and there are a lot of other players around at that time. There's some names that um, for the listeners out there that would know, like John Longmire that's now coach of the, the Sydney Swans. Well, he was at the period that I came in, he was really up and about at North Melbourne. Had some other guy called Wayne Carey. Um, and we had some other tall players and what I did, there was the first year that I really started to take football serious, seriously, but I ended up being emergency, which an emergency in the AFL means that you're only going to play if someone gets 
that gets hurt, you'll get your opportunity. And I think I was emergency something like 12 times. So from a mindset point of view, and it's something I'd probably tell a lot of people, whether it's in sport or anything, my philosophy was I was going to make myself that good that uh, um, me playing was going to be their, like their problem. I didn't want them to say, oh, you're not going to play because it's team balance or anything like that. My mentality was, well, hang on, I, I don't want to be emergency 10 or 11, tw- 10 or 11 times and hear, oh, you, you're close. I really wanted to, you know, in essence, sort of make the decision very, very easy that they go, hang on, we have to play him. And, and that was, it's probably the best mentality I could um, recommend to young players or, or young people coming into sport or even business for that matter when you think about it, rather than, rather than bitch and moan and complain that someone else has got your spot or they're doing, well, they're obviously doing something that you're not. So all I did was focus on what I actually had control over, which in essence was make myself as good as I can. And that involved, um, you know what I mean, training like and doing everything possible in my power to ensure that I was going to get a place in the team. And, and that's the way that it happened. Yeah, having that mindset of just making yourself indispensable and trying to make other decisions as easy as uh, is awesome, and I can see a, a lot that going through a lot of sports people, where it's like whether they're the last on the training field, and that thing gets noticed, right? That 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 level of tenacity, that level of motivation, really does differentiate the the, the we from the chaff, as they say. But especially in that high performance sports world, uh, where it is doggy dog, or having to go that extra mile is 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 even tougher. Um, when you're looking back on your career now, how would you say the players that played against you would uh, would comment on your on your capability on the field and, and mindset on the field? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think maybe just going backwards. I know from maybe my own point of view, when I when I really focused on um, everything I had in in my own control, I you know, I played my best when I wasn't even worrying about what my, my opponents were doing. I think. And again, it's a fine line. I think sometimes we can be so wrapped up in what the opposition are doing. And when you think about the greats of, you know, I mean, whether it's Tom Brady or whether it's Tiger Woods or LeBron James, you hear them every single time about, you know, I mean, them worrying about what they've got control over and how they prepare for um, their particular sport. And I think, Whenever I was in that that frame of mind, I, I, I mean, I, I was probably as good as anyone that, um, you know, I mean, my football was probably as good as anyone's. But whenever I got away from that and then started worrying about too much about external things and whatever and got away from the process or got away from things that I knew I had to do to play well, well, then I, did, I probably didn't play as well. Yeah, so focus on the control and the controllables. Um, what would be the biggest setback that you had in, in your career and, and how did you come back from it? Oh, look, I, I think you have multiple setbacks. I think it's the greatest thing, um, whilst without being scary for anyone that's maybe about about to start top-line sport, and I know this is maybe a bit of a contradiction what you'd say to anyone, but the best things that will ever happen to you are the setbacks. And, and I know that that goes against the grain that we all want to go into sport. We all think it's going to be nice and fluffy and we're all going to hold the trophy up. And But I think it's probably the biggest misnomer we can probably say to anyone. But I know from a personal point of view that, I mean, there was numerous setbacks, um, perceived setbacks, but they were the things that probably made me, like in terms of 
the, the, the resilience that that actually gives you by dealing with those setbacks. And there, there were multiple things over my career where you either uh, lost form or you got yourself into a bit of a, bit of a hole. Um, but to grit your teeth and, and find a way to work through those and not only great for um, in your particular sport that I came out the other side and whether that was playing well in finals as a result or winning awards or anything like that, um, I think I'm grateful for playing top line sport that they are very transferable into everyday life, that it, it really teaches you a valuable, valuable lesson that in my own head, I know that if I really work, um, if I really work my ass off, that anything's possible in any situation. And that was probably even evidence, probably even during the pandemic. I, th- I think all those tough situations and whether it's um, GFCs and pandemics and things like that, very uh, true words that you've probably heard because you're in this space, but it probably does, as you said before, sort the wheat out from the chaff. You know I mean? I think the the ones that are strong are always going to be strong because they've, they've got the mindset, they've got the resilience and they've got the, the work ethic to find a way. I think that's the common theme of, of all top top line performers. It's always finding a way. And I know the great Gary player always says that, you know what I mean? It's always about trying to find a way. And, 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 and I actually met, I've met Gary player and had a little bit to do with him. I don't, there's probably no one on this earth. I find any, any more inspiring than, than Gary player and what he does and the way he lives his life. But it's a great mantra for life. You can always, always find a way. Yeah, it's, it's it's so important to have those mantras and have that vision out there because times do get tough and um, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow as we've seen with the pandemic, as we've seen people get injured and, and setbacks in, in life, uh, but being able to kind of revert back to just that mindset and that belief system that you can find a way, you can move on from what happens and, and nothing is... Um, not, not so many things are permanent, um, and in and, and, and time can obviously heal, and time can also uh, give you that opportunity to to bounce back and become more resilient. Um, when you're looking at um, your mindset, you mentioned there around finding finding a way to to get by, finding a way to win, um, the hard work and making yourself indispensable uh, and and making the choices of uh, your coach is an easy one because they couldn't not pick you. Was there any systems that you had in place specifically for yourself or any processes or daily routines that you followed that that just set you up to be able to to live out those, uh, the the kind of vision that you had for yourself? Oh, look, I... I also was very fortunate uh, at the team I played at that we had a lot of uh, players that were, yeah, they were great players, but it's a thing that I often talk about with someone like Wayne Carey. And I think, yes, whilst we see the on-field performances, but it was also the way that he prepared for games of footy. And I'm not just talking about doing standard training sessions. They're, they're, They're extra special players because they do extras. Like it, it, I know it sounds cliche, but mm. if if you're not prepared to do the work, and, and it was probably always to answer your question, reverting back to that, that there was, um, I I had to strike a balance. I think for me and my advice for everyone, just because I'm saying do the work and whatever, yeah, it's important to do the work, but you've got to find your own formula for success. And I think for me, yes, it was training hard, doing everything possible, eating right 
extra sessions, all this sort of thing. But the other thing that I think sometimes get gets lost and was important for me was having fun. Like even, mm. you know, I mean, yeah, I, I, which is probably not always the way to go. I had a bit of a work hard and I wouldn't say I played hard, but I always enjoyed having a beer with my mates. And also I love, as I mentioned off the top, I love playing golf. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were things that I identified, you speak of structure and routine, inadvertently I'd probably found my own, my own way of um, how I needed to go about it. But sometimes whenever I drifted away from it, sometimes it took playing bad and a bit of an aha moment to go, hang on, what am I doing here? What, where, how, do I, um, how do I hit the reset button? And I'd recommend it for anyone out there now with the stuff that I'm doing with Walk With Me. I'm, I'm huge on now talking to people about structure. I think that whole structure, everyone's got their own formula for, for success. Um, it just means at different times we always get away from it. You know what I mean? And, and that's where things like the pandemic really ended up proving to everyone that when you take away structure and routine, the things that happened in um, people's everyday lives during the pandemic, that's exactly what um, some retired sports people go through, where you take away the structure, you take away the routine, so I don't know, like, I know it's a very long-winded of, uh, way of answering your question, but um, I can't recommend highly enough of finding your own rules for success. Like everyone's been, everyone listening out there would have had their own way of being successful, but it's just a process of maybe even sitting down one day and writing it down. I know now I'm massive on meditation. If you had said to me um, when I was, it's quite funny with meditation. I don't know how for people out there listening and whether yourself, if we called meditation, not meditation, and we called it getting the hell out of your own way, everyone would do it. But I think, again, it has a bit of that, oh, it's a, it's a bit alternative and whatever, but I can't recommend it enough. I do it every morning when I wake up, even when I have my coffee every morning, I've got the same structure, routine. I still train now. So I know getting back to the question that you um, you asked, I, I can't recommend it highly enough for everyone out there just to sit down and say, when you, it's probably as good to do when you're not going successful, but it's even more important that if you've had success, you go, hang on, why did that work? What, what was I doing then? That How did I feel? What were the things that I was doing that enabled me to get me in the right frame of mind that I felt really good to perform at my highest. Yeah, having that structure um, is something that we hear consistently um, around what people when you deviate from that or um, or you or you just get a bit lost. Having something to come back to that's essentially your recipe for su- success um, has such a big multiplier. You mentioned there something just to, to delve a bit deeper on uh, because that, that, that structure and, and focus is um, is is so important. You mentioned some of the work you're doing now off the AFL field and, and, and how you're starting to, to help people in that way around thriving, reset, or sort of some of the work you've been doing that and now the walk with me. Could you elaborate a bit more on that? Because I think it's always interesting hearing how people have taken a mindset from, from the field and then how they adjust that, um, how, how they take that into um, into their careers out off the field. Yeah, look, it was, it was, it's been humbling and intriguing to see how it's evolved into what it has now but yeah when I saw I saw at the start of the pandemic I think it might have been around March 2020 or March or April around that period and I saw a I saw a headline in the Australian newspaper that the suicide toll was going to outstrip the coronavirus toll and 
other than making me really angry that that may be the case and we're going to have a reaction to COVID like we were, I thought, what can I actually do about it? Um, so then I've actually got um, a couple of friends in, in the space that have been doing great things. And then I thought, well, hang on, what can I actually do? And then no different to what you and I are doing now. I, I come up with the idea of, well, hang on, why don't I just take people for walks via Zoom and we'll just have a chat. And it was more about how could I lift the mood? How could I, I mean, go for a walk and a talk, exactly what you and I are doing now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the way Walk With Me started. Like I, I think in that first year of the pandemic, we did 102 Zoom walks, I think, from March through to December. Um, I've spoken about it several times that at different times, there are a lot of people from Victoria that were unfortunately I mean, going through lockdown. On the Monday morning, I felt like the, the footy coach at halftime that you're either down by 10 goals or you're down by 30 points in league parlance. That after Dan Andrews had delivered the news that there might be further lockdowns, I felt like the coach where I had to try and lift them up. And it was, as I mentioned off the top, it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty humbling to do knowing that you were, you were really helping people through a tough time. And, um, it's now been going for two years. We're just about to revamp it uh, um, and and sort of pivot a little bit, mainly because um, I don't know what you find, but you find with people now going back to sort of normal uh, in terms of work life and things like that, um, I'm finding that they're nearly going back into their old habits of work, work, work. You know what I mean? So we're now sort of having to pivot what we do, but we're going to have some exciting announcements coming up with what we're going to do because I think it's going to be much needed work in the physical and mental fitness space. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In our organisation, we're just deciding now around what the best way is to um, support people no matter where they are in Australia or throughout the world because one the big thing around the, the, the pandemic is the border's been shut for a long time. There's a skill shortage out there. Um, so we need to be creative in how we bring people into Australia and then once they're, once they're here, also then be able to ensure that their mental health inside and outside of the workplace is... Um, um, is cared for because it's um, it's such a difficult time because so much business is, is thriving and the demand for the type of resources that we uh, we have in our MySpace and cybersecurity um, it's it never ends you know there could there could be uh, we could open the floodgates for ten years and there'd still be there'd still be a shortage of that so how do we make sure that we have clear boundaries and it sounds like the work that you're doing in order to give people structure and ultimately once they're having I find that. I can often define the quality of my day around whether you've done the meditation in the morning and then gone for the walk and got fresh air versus getting out of bed and straight on the laptop. Uh, when you do the alternative, by, by 12 o'clock, you're absolutely zapped. So helping people on that journey is important. When you put it like that, it's amazing. And what we're talking about, there are only a few minor tweaks. We're not talking about things that we're not asking people to go to the gym five days a week or, you know I mean, meditate twice a day or anything like that. I think it's just being more mindful of the choices that you make. And I think it's also a couple of subtle little tweaks like that exact one that you said, like instead of first thing in the morning, make that first hour, you look after yourself, you or get yourself going, organize your day. Don't pick up the laptop. Don't pick up your phone because then you're beholden to what everyone else wants in their day first. So even just little changes like that, I'd highly recommend to anyone. Don't 
grab your phone first thing in the morning and check your emails. Go and make the priority of you setting up the day, your ideal day, how it looks yourself before you then start to answer everyone else's day. Yeah, we've got to look after ourselves because otherwise, before you know it, you're a passenger of your day and then you're a passenger of the week and, and things can spiral pretty quickly. And uh, especially when you've got external forces like family and, and, and work uh, to uh, to pull you in different directions. Um, I'm just about to become a, a father of a, a, of a daughter and I, I noticed that you had four daughters. Any advice that you've taken from your career into uh, into fatherhood? Oh, not really. Like I, you know, I mean, I've, you've got four girls, um, and it's funny they're they're all a little bit different. But I don't know. You couldn't be sort of any more proud about the fact that when you see all of them go about it in their own sort of different ways, and they're all which I am happy about, and I haven't had to push them. They're all very sporty, and I think anyone that's involved in sport, I think it's great for them. I, you know, I mean, getting them moving. Um, especially in today's environment with phones and um, devices and things like that. But I think, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm forever grateful of being involved in the sporting environment. And it's it's not just the habits of how you go about preparing for your sport. It's, more, it's just as important that there is going to be a winner and a loser in sport. That's why I'm often critical in today's environment where participation trophies, like things like that, honestly – there's going to be a winner and a loser. Like that's going to happen. You're going to go for a job and you may not get it. So unless you've got the resilience to back up and keep going, um, I don't know. I mean, that's where, that's where I'm forever grateful that playing sport actually teaches you that in a big, big way. Yeah, I don't think failure should be um, should be avoided. Um, it's 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 part of who we are, and it, it's inevitability, right? And um, again, changing the narrative around setbacks and and the ability to come back from setbacks, whether they're small or large, sets up for a, a much more resilient adult, I think, through the through childhood. But I'm not the right person to comment on that just yet. Yeah, and I think look, one one that was a real real eye opener for me was, um, and again. I don't know during the time, like we had a very, very hard or a very sort of full on coach at North Melbourne. Like we had, and you know, and great from um, how he teaches to prepare and things like that. But I, I remember Kobe Bryant when he was talking about um, there was a girl that he was mentoring and she had a performance um, in one of the college games. And Kobe was her mentor. And then Kobe said, Right, we're going to get the video and watch the whole thing where she'd had a bad performance. And she said, no, I don't want to do it. And that, and that was probably the way that everyone's taught with failure. Sometimes oh, we, we're looking at it that we don't want to watch it because it's so bad. But it made so much sense when I saw what Kobe had said. He goes, no, nah, we're going to watch it to make sure you're not going to make that mistake ever again. And it's it, it sort of flips, as you mentioned, conventional thinking on its head that you can really use sometimes, but you, you can – it's only if, without being cliche, it's a failure if you don't learn from it. And I think it's a matter of flipping that thinking on its head to go, yeah, it's going to be ugly, but you know what? At least I'm going to come out with this. I've dealt with it. And more importantly, what are the lessons I'm going to learn in my preparation or 
mindset going into a game that that won't ever happen again. Yeah. Uh, just before we kind of wrap up, Corey, a um, couple of other questions I'd, I'd love to hear. You have played with some of the greats. Um, what was the things that you took from like a, a Wayne Carey? I mean, you guys were formidable together. But what were the things some of the players we may not be as <laughs> famous as yourself or Wayne? What was the, uh, did you have any takeaways from any individuals that you played with? No, I, I think at all times it's uh, whether it was Wayne or there were a lot of great leaders. We we're very lucky at North Melbourne that you had a lot of great leaders. But I think one of the great things that anyone, and you notice it from a world sport, um, world sport across the board. You know, I mean, if players that come from outside the organisation get put into a great system, well, yes, it's having a great system. But if you've got your key people within that organisation in the way that they go about it, um, it just makes it so much easier to to um, get people to come inside and you know I mean be a part of your organisation. So yeah, I, I I think probably one of the biggest things with someone like Wayne Carey and even the other guys I play with, it's just no excuse, a no excuses mentality. Like it's if you if you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning and go do the walk in the water or down at the beach and it's probably five degrees in Melbourne at the moment and that's what you've got to do. Well, then that's what you have to do. You know I mean? No excuses. I'm starting to sound like my coach a little bit, but <laughs> probably no, no excuses, no alibis. Like no, no, you know I mean? And, and another famous saying with Dennis Pagan used to say is, um, don't tell me about the labor pains. Just show me the baby. You know what I mean? It's, it's basically <laughs> go and go and do what you have to do in order to get, get the right result I'll uh, I'll not say that when I walk back into the living room and, uh, I don't and, and speak to my you, friend uh, yeah, I'd be fearing <laughs> for your existence if I were you if you go mention that I've mentioned that <laughs> and the final question there Corey um, that we ask our guests and I've really enjoyed uh, the conversation today um, but in short how would you define resilience well, I think it's just your ability to continually keep going regardless of the circumstances. I think that's that's a big one. Regardless of the circumstances, you're going to find, have an ability to find a way to keep going is, I think, that's what resilience is. I think sometimes can people think they've shown a little bit of resilience and, and it can often be a misused word, but when you really drill down on that um, and I think people go through tough times, as I mentioned, um, if you're not playing well or you're not performing well, do you want to pay a price to get up early to do the work, even when your body hurts or your mind saying no? That's that's what true resilience is, even regardless of the circumstances. Everyone can do it when you're going well, but how are you going to do it when things aren't going your way? Well, that's that's going to be the real and that's what I'm proud of, like at different times in my career, um, that, you know what I mean, things could have gone either way. But to be able to know that you can grit your teeth and work your way through it, yeah, you're going to go through some tough times. But I tell you what, it becomes a real badge of honour at the end of it. I remember, and just last, one last one, I remember saying this to a lot of people um, that were joining Walk With Me during the pandemic, and it like, this was in June, July. So I'm in Queensland, as you see at the moment, blue sky in the background, and we're going for a walk at seven o'clock in the morning. The sun's up here, and it's, I mean, I've probably got a t shirt on, still fresh, but not that cold. But in Melbourne, it'd be one or two degrees. 
the nicest say to them, I go, guys, these are the sessions that you're going to remember in December when it's warm. Yeah. Like these are the ones you're going to look back on and say, you know what, I had a choice, but I got up and put my coat on, put my beanie on, and it was one degree, whereas everyone else was in bed and made a choice to stay in bed. You got, you made the choice. It's all great in November, December in Melbourne when the sun's up and it's early. And but who, who in the who in the hard times, who in the winter of the times, who got up and and made those choices? And that that was that was an unbelievable thing to be able to do through the pandemic. So resilience, I think. Uh, yeah, resilience to sum it all up is yeah the ability to to keep going regardless of the, the circumstances and put the work in. Corey, that's an amazing answer and thank you for that. It's uh, the, taking that time just to get that kind of snapshot there and refining. I couldn't agree more. I think um, so often it's used just on individual setbacks, so kind of a points in time, but having resilience is something that's embedded over time, not just um, not just at a point in time. And um, that's a great way to score and have a look at it. Thanks very much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to get to know more about yourself and your mindset. And I really appreciate it. And I'm sure there's been a lot of takeaway for the listeners. Not a problem, mate. Great to join you. Thanks for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks to our guest, Corey McKernan. We appreciate your time. Thank you to our sponsor, Securo. If you'd like to know more about me or Securo, you can head to securo.io. This podcast was made by Afternoon Sport Group. G'day, this is Tim Gilbert. And I'm Shane Lee. Together, we'll bring you the only podcast you'll need to get your daily dose of sport. With episodes out Monday to Friday afternoons, ready for you on your drive home. We've got a quick hit of sports headlines, keeping you up to date with the news you need to know. And we'll take a deep dive into the stuff you've always wanted to know. Cannot wait. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. We'll see you then.